Hey, 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 this is Chad, and just wanted to give you a quick intro to this episode. We recorded it the same day as the previous episode and broke it up into two different parts. Anyways, thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Let's talk about The Mandalorian, episode seven of season two, titled The Believer. So we begin in a massive junkyard, and Mando has, has hunted down none other than Bill Burr, a.k.a. May- Mayfeld. His inmate number is 34667. He's doing some time breaking down some junk. So at the very beginning, Cara Dune, basically the droid tells Mayfeld, you have to do orders, and then Cara Dune comes out and says, and re- basically release, you, release uh, him to my custody in the droid. Ah. Yep, here you go. And so Mayfeld's asking, where are we going? Where are we going? He just, he's a comedian. He can't shut up. Mm-hmm. It's like that the whole episode. But it wasn't necessarily a bad thing in this one. I think I actually really liked his character in this episode. Um, yes. But they get to Slave One, which is now the de facto Mando ship now that his, now that the Razor Crest has been blown up. But basically they tell him, you're, you're coming with us because you're ex-Imperial and you know this information. And we need to figure out where Moff Gideon's cruiser is. And you're the only person that we could think of. I'm surprised they can't think of anybody else. But maybe that's just the the most recent person that Mando's come across that's going to have this information. We're giving them the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a couple couple little stretches in this episode. But it's not it's not too terrible. It's Yeah, it's fine. It's So this episode definitely is a, a bottle episode. Take it or leave it. You can skip over it if you wanted to. But I think uh, I have some thoughts on what they're doing with this episode. So uh, in, in my, if you think about it, comedians generally, a lot of comedians have observational humor. They obs- observe the world and they com- comment on it through, through comedy. A lot of the times they're trying to bring out the truths in the situation. Bill Burr's character... In this episode, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but Mayfeld is observing the war as kind of a third party and saying there's a, the Empire, there's the Rebellion, and then there's this endless battle between two sides, and we're not thinking about the civilians and what it takes to survive in this world, and Bill Burr's character, Mayfeld, is commenting on this, and he's doing it through comedy, but he's also revealing a lot of truths that we don't always appreciate in Star Wars. And that's why this is a bottle episode. They're doing it within one episode. So, hey, time out. Take a breather on the story. Think about the, the world. Comment on it. And then we'll get back to it. But that's a lot of what he's doing. I feel like he's doing in this episode. Yeah, and he's really kind of taking the mantle from what uh, Bo-Katan did in the previous episode of starting to break oh, down mm-hmm. Mando's like whole thought process on his creed and everything. And in that one, she's basically telling him, well, you came out of a bunch of bad Mandalorians. There's a bunch of different Mandalorians. And now Bill Burr's telling him, well, um, you have all these rules about taking off your mask. Is it you can't take off your mask or your face can't be seen? I mean, that's one rule. And... And he just kind of drills into him. Hey, everybody's rules. Everybody has rules until stuff hits the fan, and then your rules mm-hmm. change to to survive. So or to or to uh, 
to save the ones that you care about. So at the end of the last episode, I was like, what? Why, why are we going to get this guy? This, this, I mean, I know why we're going to get him. It's the Imperial connection, but I just, like, his character didn't do much for me in season one. And he totally changed my mind. I, I really liked his character in this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so they get Bill Burr back. They get Mayfeld back. And he has the clearance codes and the protocols which they can use to locate where Moff Gideon's cruiser is. We go to this uh, Redonium refinery on this planet where there is a terminal where Bill Burr can use the codes to access the location of Moff Gideon's cruiser. They use a term for the Imperials who are running this base, and they call them a number of times the Imperial Remnants. So it's not the Empire, it's the remnants of the Empire. Um, And then they also use another term for, I don't know what this is, but they call it the ISB. Do you know what the ISB is? Yeah, so ISB, it stands for Imperial Security Bureau. It's basically the Imperial's FBI. They do their own, like, they're almost, their whole goal is to find the bad guys within the Empire. So... Just one character that you'll know is, if you ever watch Clone Wars, the guy who does the voiceover at the very beginning that like kind of tells you the story that's happening. His name is General Ularin. He's part of the ISB during during the Empire, like when he converts from the Republic to the Empire. That's what he is. He is the old white-haired guy that gets blown up in the Death Star. when He's in the conference room when Darth Vader and Tarkin are there, so it's kind of a little bit of a deep cut, but it's, the, it's basically their FBI. Yeah course uh so we have to break into this refinery and get to this terminal the crew is made up right in the beginning of this the crew is made up of cara dune fennec mayfeld mando and they break up basically and, two two and, and two and, and don't forget boba and boba fett oh yes boba fett uh, my bad boba <laughs> so mando and mayfeld penetrate they sneak into the base, they have to take a, this tanker, which has the on it, from one location into the refinery. And as they're trying to make their way in, they get attacked by what they call our pirates. I don't know if the pirates are associated with the village, or if they are just like the sand people, third parties, but they're trying to destroy the tanker or the transport vehicle with the radonium on it. These pirates clearly do not like that the Empire or the remnants of the Empire are drilling for resources on this planet. Mando and Mayfeld could not give less of a crap. They're like, we're on here on a mission. You're in the way Get out of the way. We're going to fight you and kill you if necessary. These pirates don't know who these guys are. They're just trying to blow up the Redonium. And meanwhile, we still have the Empire that we're trying to deal with on the other side. So that's something that I think is not uh, a slip-up. I think Rick made the choice to include these the opposition to the Empire in this episode. And Mando and Mayfeld are fighting against them. And what we'll come to talk about a little bit later is it's, this is important to the theme and the 
moral of this story. So they make their way inside of the refinery. Ooh, I skipped over something that's very important. And something that you mentioned already. Mando has to take off his Mandalorian armor and put on a, a, a disguise. And this is where Mayfeld challenges Mando about his creed, the dogma that he holds to, that he never takes off his helmet. And you can tell that Mando is starting to process this stuff. And maybe because he's already dealt with Bo-Katan, he's willing to put on the disguise, the new suit. And he's questioning some of the hard and fast rules he's been sticking to without questioning the principles and the reason behind why we have the, he has these rules that he's been living by for so long. Yep, his rules keep bending and bending more and more each week. Yep. He's learning what it really is to be uh, a Mandalorian or what the, the creed means and also whether we really need to wear or stick to these silly rules in order to be to live by the principle of the rule. And also at this point, now he's seeing not just Bo-Katan, but now he's hanging out with Boba, who Boba mm-hmm. has proved to him that he is a Mandalorian, and he's walking around plenty without his helmet on. Yep, there's lots of, there's lots of nuances and, you know, types of Mandalorian and what it means to be a Mandalorian. You can still take off your helmet and be a living within the rules of the creed, or at least the principles of the creed. <clears throat> okay. So we get into the refinery. We see a ton of destroyed tanks. Oh, <laughs> during the the fight against the pirates, I was catching a lot of Indiana Jones homages when Mando climbs on top of the the transport vehicle and is fighting the the pirates. And I think at one point he kicks off a couple of them. And my brain was went immediately to Indiana Jones. This sort of fighting sequence takes place in a lot of action shows and movies these days but uh george lucas had a hand in indiana in indiana jones and i don't think that was a coincidence i think they are directly pulling from indiana jones when they had that fight sequence one thing during this fight sequence it does show how much uh, mando started relying on his new beskar armor because he's got that tank trooper armor on that basically just when those guys hit it with their sticks it shatters and he's he adapts and he finds a way to fight him, but it still is, it shows how much he's gotten used to having that nice kind of suit of armor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they pull the transport vehicle up to the refinery right as we think that they're going to get overrun with additional pirates. And some TIE fighters show up. You know, normally when we see TIE fighters, we're scared. They are the bad guy. Never thought I would be happy to see TIE fighters show up to help out the good guys. But the fact that they're killing all these kind of innocent innocent pirates that are just trying to protect their their protect their land, yeah. are they really are they really the good guys at this point? I know, there's a bit of conflict when you see you see the TIE fighters show up and they save Mando and Mayfeld, but the TIE fighters are killing the pirates and the quote-unquote pirates are probably the people who live on this planet that want the empire out so how should we feel about all this i think it's supposed to be ambiguous yep 
Okay, and we show up at the base, the Empire workers are all cheering. Like, why are these guys so excited for some Redonium? Do they know what it's going to be used for? Because uh, I don't think it's clear right away. If they knew what it was going to be used for, maybe they wouldn't be so happy. Uh, yeah. I don't... Or- or maybe they're just maybe these are the brainwashed imperial remnants and they know what it's going to be used for and they they want it to be used for that. Yeah, I don't know, but the choice to have them cheering is supposed to add additional weight to that conflicted feeling you're having right after surviving these attacks from the pirates. So we get in the base and and Mayfield runs into a former imperial colleague, somebody he's so actually, he, Mayfeld is worried at first that he'll recognize him, but yes. it seemed, basically just on the conversation, this guy was a high-ranking general, Imperial, mm-hmm. and, and Mayfeld was low on the totem pole, so there's a chance that he doesn't even know who Mayfeld is, and we find out later he, he doesn't. This high-ranking officer, Valen Hess, has no idea who Mayfeld is. He actually, when Mando goes up to the, the terminal... To access it using the codes, he gets called out by Valen Hess, and Mayfeld has to come and kind of save Mando, taking the risk that he may be ID'd by Valen Hess. And this is where Valen Hess has no idea who Mayfeld is. So this high-ranking officer does not give a crap about his the people that he's worked with or that are under his command. Right, and you kind of skipped over one of the the most important part of the episodes is that in order for Mando to access the terminal, he has to take his helmet off. It has to see a face, like it has to scan a face. This is the first time we've seen it since the IG-11 scene in in the finale of the first season, but this is the most extended time we've Mm -hmm. seen with his helmet off by far. Yeah, he has his helmet off for a while. Yeah, and it was weird. Why do we need... Why did, I wonder why this terminal needed to do a facial scan. Is Mando part of the database where he has access to this data? Or is it just, we need a picture of your face before we can give you this so that we know who's accessed it? So I, this was a little bit of a plot hole to me, but I, I do have a theory on it Theory on it for why it has to scan a face. Um, the Empire is traditionally very anti-alien, so I almost think this is kind of their kind of alien racism mm. creeping in, creeping into their security protocols. That's my best guess because, yeah, it really doesn't make sense. You would think it would do, like, you, you think about stuff like that. They're doing, like, an iris scan to, like, actually determine you are the person you say you are. But I that's my guess on this is it's just it's trying to determine you are a human being who we deem worthy to access this information. Okay. So, yeah, that... Mando has his helmet off. It's going on for a while. You can tell when you look at his face, he's doing some really good acting because you can tell he's extremely uncomfortable with what's going on. Yeah, I thought he did great with the helmet off. <laughs> it was, I was kind of laughing the whole time. So Valen Hess, I think Mayfeld reveals to Valen Hess that he's served underneath him at some point. Valen Hess says, hey, have a chat with me. Your buddy can sit down and, and partake in this. You guys are the folks who brought back the Redonium, right? That That's why he wanted to have a drink with him. It's because he okay. was basically congratulating them for making it back. He did, hadn't um, revealed yet that he'd been, that he'd served under him yet. Mm, okay. So they're talking about the, 
they sit down and they're chatting and they're talking war stories and Mayfeld reveals that he served underneath Baron Hess during Operation Cinder. The exact steps and what happens within this battle is a little unclear, but we what we know is that the stuff hit the fan and a lot of people died and it feels like the Empire was trying to disrupt order within a city or a village. It looked like it was like a discreet operation or something like that. So actually, this was a direct call to Battlefront 2. That was what that whole storyline campaign was about, was Operation Cinder, or at least the very beginning of it. Right after the Empire, the Emperor dies, he basically has this order to take out Imperial bases that he feels aren't totally loyal to the Empire. And it, it happens on multiple planets, and they basically kill thousands of, millions of thousands. They don't destroy the planet, but they kill a lot of people. And it sounds like Mayfeld was in on one of this where a lot of his comrades, his Imperials that were deemed not worthy to survive were killed and that's when it, see, you kind of get the convert from the conversation, that's when he decides to turn on the Empire because he sees how bad they actually are. They're, they're, they're not just out to kill rebels, they're just, they're going to kill anybody that's in their way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mayfeld is slowly, slowly revealing that he's not cool with what happened in this operation, but Valen Hess says, hey, we're all alive now. And at the end of the conversation, he proposes a toast to the Empire. And this is where Mayfeld's like, screw this. I've had it with you. You've killed my friends. I'm not happy right now. It's time for you to die. He shoots him directly in the chest. And the shit hits the fan. And Mayfeld and Mando have to fight their way out of this refinery. So they break out of the base. They're shooting all kinds of people. They make it outside of the building, and Boba scoops them up on the Slave One. So on the way out, and as they're getting on this, on this ship, Mayfeld turns around, looks at this refinery, and he snipes, out one of the, he snipes at one of the tankers that is filled with rubonium, and it blows up the majority of the base. So he kills off a bunch of people. And he's getting a little bit of revenge for his fallen comrades. But he, Mayfeld's almost perpetuating yeah. the cycle of violence himself. Yep, everybody just kind of keeps it going. Everyone is rationalizing their choices and, you know, true to the theme of this episode. So after his good deed, Cara Dune and Mayfeld have this conversation... Mayfeld's like, yep, take me back to prison. I'm ready to go. But Cara Dune says, you know what? I think we can come up with a story where we lost you and you can go out on your way and hide out on this planet. They leave him on this planet where he just killed a bunch of... <laughs> yeah, he's going to go He's gonna go hang out with the pirates or go hang out with the village people or something. Well, everybody, he's, he's killed... Imperial Everybody, yeah. people, and he's killed pirates. I don't yeah. know what the villagers feel about him, but it's not going to be an easy go of things. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna have to find a nice way out, or maybe that's how. Maybe that's how Heroes of the or Heroes of the New Republic or whatever that show's called is. Uh, mm-hmm. goes and Rangers of the New Rangers. Republic. Yes, who knows? Could be any. He's gonna get off. I think they plan to use him again. 
yeah, he we I think we definitely will be seeing Mayfield again. Yep. So the episode ends with Mando sending a, a hologram to Gideon, telling him that they're coming to get Grogu, using the same words that Moff Gideon uses to Mando from season one, but this time he calls Grogu he instead of Moff Gideon calling him it. So gender's been confirmed and he's giving you know mando has a personal relationship with grogu he gets grogu is a being a living being so it's not an it (laughs) right yeah to moff gideon he's just a he's just a thing he's just a a way to get to his goal where with with mando it's almost like his his son now Mm -hmm. a few episodes back I, i think i was saying i hope this um penultimate episode of the season it's not a bottle episode. I hope it maintained the momentum that we had in the last two or three episodes. And I was thinking that in the beginning of the episode when we go and we get Mayfeld and we start this Mission of the Week thing again. But by the end, I was actually very happy that they took this break to do a theme-heavy bottle episode. And that actually has some character beats for Mando with yeah. his helmet off. So I actually was very pleased with this episode. Yeah, this is one of my favorite, don't want to call it filler, but it's a character development episode. This is probably my favorite character development episode of both seasons so far. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It definitely felt like this was not written by Favreau. You could tell that he said, hey, somebody else give a shot at writing an episode and, and we'll shoot it. And Rick Fumayiwa got the sole writing credit for this episode i think i was reading indb or wikipedia earlier and it was saying it was two people but somebody else may have contributed but rick got the full the sole credit in the credits of the show itself when they aired at the end i think it's pretty clear rick had some thoughts about the world of star wars and had something to say about the characters and the never-ending battle for control of the galaxy yeah, I was going to talk about a little bit of Easter eggs. I think we hit on a lot of them. One of my favorite ones was at the very beginning when they're trying to figure out who's going to go into the base with Mayfeld. First they go to Kara. She said, no, you can't do that because ISB, no, you're Republic now, your new Republic, and they'll, they'll know you. Fennec Shan's wanted by the ISB. And they go to Boba, and Boba says, no, I think they'll recognize my face. Um, not necessarily that they'll know who Boba Fett is, but he's a clone. So they're going to, oh, somebody, sure. some old Imperial's going to see him and he's going to look just like a clone because he didn't age as fast as the clones did during the Clone Wars. So I, I, I thought that was a fun little throw in. I didn't even realize that. I, I didn't catch it until the second view. I, I caught it on the second viewing and it made me smile. All right, I, any other Easter eggs, Zach? No, I think um, I think we talked about the rest of them throughout. Um, there's there weren't a ton of Easter eggs in this one, yeah. but it was it was more just uh, a lot of exploring the the Republic, the the Rebels, the Imperials, and what they're all about. And everybody's kind of everybody's kind of a bad guy in some way. Mm-hmm. Everyone's everyone's got to compromise themselves in in some capacity in this world. Yeah. So the last two episodes of season one. We're tied together, mm. so it was like a two-parter. We're def- we're going into this last episode of season two, not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be an extra long episode, or yeah. what. 
but yeah, we, we're going into it not knowing what this battle is going to be like. Yep. So we don't know who's we don't know who's going to show up. We don't know. Maybe Gideon still has Grogu at the end of the episode. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So not repeating the same beats from season one. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to Zick and Wick. We had a good time with this episode. Um, hope you did too. Until next time, have a good one. <laughs>